All right. Well, uh, we are uh, finishing up our uh, Christmas series here in uh, the Ghost of of Christmas, and uh, I'm not going to bother with uh, the introduction where we've been the last uh, couple weeks because of time. But uh, I chose this series because. You know, typically when we come to the Christmas season and we look at the Christmas story, we like to focus on the um, the the beauty, the um, the the excitement of Christmas and Christ coming to us. And uh, and you know, if if you're in a in a healthy family, um, there's not a whole lot of brokenness or hurt in your life. I'm not sure that this message really resonates or this series really resonates with you this morning, but it's really dealing with people who are kind of going through some pain right now. And there's some been some things in their past that, um, you know, uh, Christmas kind of resurrects those, those hurts. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at forgiveness and the importance to for, forgive those who may have may have hurt us. Uh, last week we looked at shame and uh, Ebenezer Scrooge was kind of let in on on uh, how he had uh, treated people around him. Um, Ebenezer was a was a miser. Uh, he was uh, he was a tightwad and people would approach him with different needs and uh, and uh, he was very cruel, and he didn't he was he didn't want to share. Uh, he had a lot. He was a, a person of means, and uh, had the ability to help a lot of people. But he wasn't interested in helping people. Uh, he was interested in building bit bigger barns, and uh, he was able to step back and look at how he was treating people, and he was appalled with how he had. Uh, had treated individuals and he was ashamed of himself. And we looked at shame last week and the fact that, that God wants to roll our shame away. Regardless of how, what we've done in our past, if we come to the cross, Isaiah chapter 54 says, he will roll our shame away. But it, it starts with God and it's, ends with God. Only God can take away our shame. Well, this morning, I want to look at labels, because um, as Ebenezer was looking at his uh, life through the, the ghosts of Christmas, uh, he learned that uh, people had associated his name with a label. When you think of a tightwad, when you think of a, pie, a, a miser, um, the people in in the Christmas Carol uh, that knew Ebenezer, Ebenezer associated Ebenezer as a tightwad. And you know, if you were to Google tightwad or miser today, you know what? the first thing would come up, the first picture, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge. You try it, you Google it, and you will find uh, his his picture. Well, Ebenezer was appalled. Uh, He he was ashamed that uh, this was the label, that this is what people thought of him. 
And so I want us to talk about labels today because, you know, growing up, you've probably um, have worn some labels. Maybe it's because of something that you've done personally or it's just maybe the way people have, have treated you. And you wear those labels and you're not proud of those labels and those labels hurt. We're all familiar with the phrase, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know what? That's a lie. Words do hurt. We remember labels. You know, growing up as a kid, I always was, um, I always remembered the negative things that people were saying about me. It was, it was hard to remember the, the good things, the positive things, but the negative things always kind of held on. Um, words are powerful and the Bible points this out in Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 uh, Solomon says the tongue has the power of life and death even though I'm very familiar with those negative things that were said about me I'm thankful that I grew up in a home that was very positive. I found to be very encouraging. And you know, I, I think of the my relationship with my grandparents, and I think of my relationship with my mom and dad. They were always encouraging in in my life. And so I hear their the whispers of their voices. Some of them are, are long gone now. But their words of encouragement continue to stay with me. But not all of you have were able to grow up in that kind of environment. And some of you grew up with some very negative voices. And those words, the Solomon says, have the power of life and death. There's words that can encourage us, can motivate us, that can uh, inspire us to, to be better people. And then there are some words that can hurt deeply, that can wound, that can destroy a person's life. But, you know, I'm up here this morning to let you know that uh, not everything was always smooth sailing with Bill Logan. You know... There were two labels, particularly in junior high. Junior high just seems to always be the worst, okay? People are the cruelest in junior high, but it stuck with me through high school. I had two labels. One was Herman Munster, and the other was Lurch. Okay, if you don't know, if younger generations, you probably don't know uh, the Munsters uh, television show or the Adams Family. These were popular when I was growing up. But I was always associated with one of these two people. This was, don't you feel sorry for me? How painful. 
painful my life was, but uh, Lurch, he was the uh, the butler of the Adams family, and at one point I was very tall and skinny, and uh, yeah, my my friends, so-called friends, called me Lurch or Herman Munster. I, I probably kind of resemble Herman Munster, but I w- I wasn't proud of those labels. Well, some of you struggle with labels. Some of you have probably... We can go ahead and cut that picture. It's very distracting, John. Some of you have carried a label into this worship service this morning. Maybe you you wear the label uh, divorced. Or alcoholic or hater or liar or loser or Scrooge. I I don't know what label you're wearing this morning. Ebenezer Scrooge was not proud of his label and he wanted to do something about it. But I want to, want us to leave, I want to leave us with this truth this morning as we look at labels. And the truth is this, what may be true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. God's power is bigger than your past. You need to remember that. If your life is in Christ, the Bible says that you are a new creation. What was true about your past doesn't have to be true about you now or your future. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live now in the flesh, I live to the glory of God. God has given us His Holy Spirit and God has the, God gives us the power and the, the ability to be somebody that we weren't always. God's power is bigger than your past. And as we read the Bible, you know, there's a lot of people in the Bible who have carried a lot of different labels that they weren't very proud of. One of those persons that uh, we are very familiar with is Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob's name means deceiver. And my, how he lived up to his name. He was deceitful. The Bible talks about how uh, Jacob dressed up like his brother, his, his twin brother. He was, a, he was an outdoors kind of guy, and he was a very hairy individual. And so he, uh, he dressed up like his brother, um, and he went in to see his father because he wanted, Jacob wanted his brother's blessing. And uh, Isaac was very old. Isaac couldn't see, and so 
Jacob comes into his father's presence and uh, Jacob begins to talk. It doesn't really sound like uh, Esau. Sounds more like Jacob, and so uh, Isaac says, "We'll come closer." And and the Bible says that uh, that uh, Isaac felt uh, Jacob, and he felt like Esau. He was kind of hairy, and came to the point where he was convinced that this really is Esau. And the Bible says that Isaac uh, laid hands on on Jacob and blessed Jacob and. Jacob got the the blessing, the firstborn son's blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. Esau got wind of this and became irate and wanted to kill his brother because he had stolen the blessing. And so the Bible says that Esau or Jacob ran for his life. And he ran to Bethel. His mom told him to go to Bethel. And it's in Bethel, uh, Jacob, you're going to find your wife. Comes to a well, and he comes across this uh, young gal named Rachel. Bible says that Rachel is a knockout. And uh, he, he, he's uh, head over heels for this, this girl. And so he goes to Rachel's dad, Laban. And asks for Rachel's hand in, 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 in marriage. And Laban says, well, okay, you can have my uh, daughter Rachel as your wife, but here's the deal. You're going to have to work for me for seven years. And, uh, Jacob says, deal. And so for seven years, he labors, uh, for, for Laban. And at the end of seven years, he gets to marry Rachel. They have a wedding ceremony and that night, uh, uh, you know, they, they go in, they enjoy their honeymoon night and the next morning, and I don't know how this worked out or whatever, you know, but, uh, the next morning when, when Jacob wakes up, he's thinking he's laying next to his, uh, wife, Rachel, and it turned out to be Leah. Now there's a big difference between Leah and Rachel. Okay. Rachel was the knockout. Leah had the great personality. If you know what I mean. Okay? And, uh, Jacob was, uh, he was beside himself. What? I was supposed to marry Rachel. And he goes to Laban. So what have you done? Laban says, well, you know, you've, uh, I've got to give away my, my oldest daughter before Rachel can be married. And so Laban has turned the tables on Jacob. Jacob, who is the deceiver, now he's been deceived. Jacob says, well, I want to marry Rachel. He says, well, I'll give you Rachel, but you're going to have to work another seven years. And Jacob says, okay, I'll do it, no problem. And so he's able to marry Rachel, but he has to work for Laban for another seven years. Well, that relationship uh, continues uh, as Rachel is enjoying uh, her relationship with her husband. Um, she she is not able to, to conceive. She's watching Leah conceive. She's taught, watching all these other women conceive and, and give... Uh, Jacob children, but Rachel can't conceive. Finally, years down the road, uh, Rachel's able to conceive. And she, uh, 
she uh, gives birth to Joseph. And a few years later, uh, Rachel conceives again. And she gives birth to Benjamin. But this was a very difficult pregnancy. If you have your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. Here, Rachel is giving birth to her second son. And in verse 16, the Bible says this, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and they were still some distance from Ephrath. And Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. And so Rachel died. Rachel didn't survive the childbirth. And in childbirth, and knowing that she had another son, she called him Benoni. And what Benoni means is son of my sorrow. And Jacob hears his wife call her their son Benoni and says to himself, that might be his name for the moment, but that's not going to be his name for the future. He may be son of sorrow in the moment, but I am going to name him Benjamin. And Benjamin means son of my right hand. What may be true in the moment doesn't have to be true forever. Rachel called it one thing, but Jacob called it something, called him something else. And Jacob knows a thing or two about renaming things. Jacob's name meant deceiver. deceiver. But Jacob's name didn't continue to be deceiver forever. Just a few chapters earlier, the Bible says that Jacob wrestled with God. And uh, he was wrestling with God all night long. And Jacob didn't want to let go. And uh, Jacob pleaded with God, you know, bless me. I am not going to let go until you bless me. And the Bible says that God blessed Jacob. He touched the socket of his hip. Jacob, from that point forward, walked with a limp. But he changed, God changed Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel. And Israel means, um, the God who prevails. God prevails. And that's what God did in his life. Jacob was no longer labeled a deceiver, but he was named Israel. God who prevails. What some people might call a curse in your life or or my life, God wants to use to become something different. We don't 
have to continue to live with those negative labels. And we can choose to call those labels something else. For Rachel, Benjamin was son of his sor- of her sorrows. But Jacob says, no, that's not going to be his future. He is going to be the son of my right hand. He is going to be Benjamin. I just want this to encourage you this morning when it comes to labels. God's power is far bigger than your past. And what some people want to see happen in your life as a curse, God wants you to turn it around and to be a blessing in your life. God wants you to use it for the positive. There's another person I want us to look at this morning, and that is in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and we know the story well. It's the story of the sinful woman. Jesus was in Simon's house. He had been invited over there. And while Jesus was dining with uh, Simon the Pharisee, there was a sinful woman who entered the house. And now this was a huge risk because nobody invited her in. And she only came into the house because she knew Jesus was there. Has Had Jesus never not been there, she would have never shadowed the doorstep of Simon the Pharisee's house. But because she knew Jesus was there, she needed to get to Jesus. And she was overwhelmed with who Jesus had been in her life. And she came into to the house, and the, the Bible says that she had a bottle of perfume. And this was her livelihood. You know, as a, as a prostitute, this perfume was uh, very important to her profession. But she took that bottle of perfume, and she broke it, and she anointed the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that there were tears. This was a very emotional, intimate moment. And in, in, in the middle of this emotion and her tears and, and drying her, drying her tears and, and wiping away the perfume with, with the hair on her head at the, the feet of Jesus. There were people in that room that were whispering. Does Jesus know who's touching him? Doesn't Jesus know that this woman is unclean? This woman is a prostitute. This this woman has a filthy reputation, a despicable reputation. I'm not sure how long this woman lived with that reputation, but there were some labels that she had a hard time letting go of. But when she met the person, Jesus Christ, her life had changed. 
And she wanted to come into Jesus' presence and just worship at his feet. Anoint his body for his future burial. She had been forgiven of so much that she just wanted her express her love and gratitude back to the Lord. And so you can just imagine the voices in the room while she's doing this. Jesus told the story. You know, talked about how um, a man who was forgiven little as opposed to a person who had been forgiven most. And uh, he was asked, Jesus asked what the question, who's going to love more? The person who's been forgiven of little or the person who has been forgiven of much? And Simon realized, well, the person who's been forgiven of much is going to love far more. And that's what this woman was doing. I suppose Simon never even ever asked the Lord for forgiveness because he was so self-righteous. He was doing everything right. There was no need for forgiveness in his life and how far he was from the truth. This woman had been forgiven of much and she had taken on new labels that she had never heard about herself before. Forgiven. Set free. Loved by God. There's two things that we need to take away from this story. The first is, is that a cat? Oh my word. Well, maybe he needs to hear about Jesus this morning. Two things. Number one, what was that? That's right. Who are we? Yes. <laughs> Two takeaways. Number one, don't label others. You know, it is so easy to label others, to categorize people. And as soon as we categorize people, put labels on them that uh, may or may not be associated with, be true about them, you know what? We create one-dimensional kind of individuals. We only see people in one way. And we miss the, the greater potential of that person. Simon, as he was watching this sinful woman anoint Jesus' feet, just saw... This, this person, one way, unclean, didn't want to have anything to do with her. But Jesus wasn't looking at the outside. Jesus was looking at the inside. A person who was broken, a person who was humble, a person who had a future. All this potential. We can't afford to label people. I was in, um, I think it was Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale, Florida, about 20 years ago now. And uh, we were there for a conference. This was with my old church. And uh, we were getting ready to be dismissed for lunch. And uh, as we were going to the dining hall, we were all 
asked to file out of this uh, one one door. There probably was two or three hundred of us in this uh, in this church, and uh, we were all having to file out of this one door. And as we were filing out of this door, I noticed that there was a uh, a brick, a really big brick. It was a gray brick that was propped against the door. Um, I didn't think anything of it. But uh, as we were going out into the courtyard, there was this security guard, and he was just watching all of us file out of that door to go uh, get our lunch. Uh, later on that night, the uh, pastor uh, asked us, you know, we all asked you to go through that door, and uh, said, did you notice anything that was um, propping the door open? Yeah, we all noticed that uh, big gray brick that was there. And he said, he said, you know what that was? That was a bar of silver. You know what the value of that bar of silver was? $75,000. And that's why the security guard was out in the courtyard making sure that we weren't going to lift that $75,000 bar of silver. But for... All of us in the room who didn't know exactly what a bar of silver looked at, you know, we just looked at it as a brick. Don't label people on the outside. It keeps us from noticing the potential that is in every person that we come across. And I am guilty of labeling people um, and preventing me from having a conversation or a relationship with somebody else. Jesus was telling Simon, What this person is doing, she's worshiping me. I've made her brand new. Her heart has changed. Don't label people. The second takeaway from this story is don't believe the world's labels. Believe Jesus. That's what the story of Christmas is all about. Jesus is well aware of labels. The Bible says that Jesus was a supernatural birth. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says, was born of a virgin. Mary didn't have relationship with a man. When Mary was impregnated, Mary was impregnated with the seed of God. And as we know, Mary's story and the Christmas story, um, people had a hard time believing that. It began with Joseph. Joseph thought that Mary had been unfaithful to him. And um, an angel had to come to Mary and say, no, she's been conceived through the Holy Spirit. And she is going to be, the Jesus is going to be born of a virgin. Mary 
is a virgin. But not everybody believed that. Joseph became convinced, and Joseph was faithful to Mary. But as Jesus was going about his ministry, people had insinuated, had come to the conclusion that Jesus was born from sexual immorality. Jesus was born of illegitimate means. And there's a phrase, there's a word for that today. And I'm not going to share, I'm not going to repeat that word to us this morning. But that, that was the label that Jesus wore. Jesus knows all about labels. Now that label wasn't true. And maybe you're wearing this uh, label this morning that it is true. But it doesn't have to be your future. And God's power is far bigger than your past. Jesus came to forgive. Jesus came to set you free. And Jesus didn't believe the labels that the world wanted to put on him. Jesus believed his dad. And what does the Bible say? What did God say about his son? Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That's what resonated in his heart. Jesus knew that he was the son of God. That the heavenly father was his dad and that's whom he believed. Who are you believing this morning? The labels that the world wants to put on you? Jacob would say, you don't have to wear those labels. That may be true of your past, but it doesn't have to be true of your tomorrows. God's power is far bigger than your past. What people want to use in your life to curse you, turn that around and let it be a blessing. Let God use it in your life to build you into the person that you need to become, want to come. To, to come. Believe God. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, those who believe, believe in Jesus, believe in what Christ has done for you. The Bible says, are called the children of God. How do you see yourself this morning? Growing up, it was really easy to listen to what my peers were saying. You know, kind of ugly, kind of awkward, 
kind of slow. And I wasn't listening to the word of God and what God thought of me. I believed in Jesus. But I was wearing all those different labels. Because what my peers thought about me was really important. But you know what? That just brings me down. That's what the enemy wants to use in your life. I want to encourage you this week. If there's some labels in your life that you're wearing, that you're ashamed of, that you're listening far too much of, about, I want you to, I want to encourage you to take God's word, Ephesians chapter four, chapter one, and Romans chapter eight, and just meditate on those two chapters. And listen to what God thinks about you and what God says about you because we need to be listening. We need to believe what the Father says and not what the world says and then live accordingly. Take those curses of the world and turn them into a blessing that God will use in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for Jesus who didn't turn away the, the woman who, who God had a seedy reputation. Everybody knew about her life and didn't want to have anything to do with her. But God, you saw a woman who was broken, who believed you and worshipped you. And God, you gave her a brand new identity. Jesus, you understand labels. And God, I thank you that, that you didn't believe the world's labels. You believed what your father said. And how encouraging those words were were to Jesus. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Father, as believers in Christ, when our lives are in Christ, the heavenly father is well pleased with us as well. Not because of who we are, but whose we are. And so I pray that God, that you would encourage your children in this room. What label have you worn into this house of worship this morning? God this morning is reminding you of a brand new label. Of forgiven. Of redeemed. Of justified. If your life is in Jesus, 
And if you're here this morning and your life is not in Christ, you don't, you haven't surrendered your life to what Jesus did for you by dying on that cross. This morning, God's encouragement to you is to come to Him by faith and receive Him into your life. Father, thank you for this time of, of, uh, of worship and reminding ourselves of Father, who we are in Christ. We are no longer slaves to this world. We are your children. Encourage hearts in this service this morning.